Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. I am Peyton Guthrie. Uh, you're hearing my voice first because, uh, well, things have changed. Uh, times, they keep a changing. As a, well, I can't remember the artist used to say, but he used to say it uh, in, in one of his famous songs. Uh, but I'm joined here with Forever, the loyal uh, producer, Matt. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. We're recording on Mother's Day, so shout out to all the mothers out there. Shout, yeah, shout out to all the moms. Thanks for being moms. Thanks for... Thanks, thanks for you know do, doing the mom stuff. Hopefully, they, hopefully your sons and daughters took you out to like the nice Mexican restaurant in town, and <laughs> you got some flowers. <laughs> and they it's, didn't. Uh, it's didn't funny, I actually it. did. It was uh, it was Piscinas in Weatherford, Piscinas okay. in Weatherford Mexican restaurant in Weatherford. Met my mom there halfway. She lives down in Hobart, so it was kind of a equidistant drive for both of us. And then. Just like you said, it was the nice Mexican restaurant in town. So we're, we're doing it right. As Weatherford goes. Right. And as you guys just heard, uh, the, the new voice on the podcast. Um, I mean, we, we have Keegan uh, transferred into a new professional uh, section of his life and his career, chasing some different dreams. And we had to fill the seat uh, from an F1 type of term. But we have brought in uh, Alan Kinney to join. Uh, through the keyhole officially of the podcast and on the patreon and his first words will be as weatherford goes <laughs> but how you doing alan i'm doing well man doing well uh you know uh happy for the opportunity really appreciate you guys uh inviting me to come on i've really i've been following your work for a while obviously uh i'm really excited to be here man and uh, have kind of a, a regular thing going here now that's awesome. I mean, it's cool. You say it's been following the work for a while and uh, me personally is like since November of last year. So it's a long time to be <laughs> following it. And Matt's <laughs> probably maybe a, a year into it as well. <laughs> but I will, I will say as someone, um, I, I, you know, I, I followed your work a lot. I would read it on the blatant homerism and follow the different RSS feeds that your podcast would bounce around in between and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I, I try to do, and maybe we need, I need to uh, adopt a new gimmick, <laughs> is I try to be as reasonable as possible uh, when thinking of these things, um, but by somewhat have ingesting some of the written content you've been, that you've put together over the years. Um, now, we might not be able to do two reasonable people. That might not be a good dynamic. So maybe <laughs> yeah. Matt can jump in with a hot take button or something. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's been, it's, it's funny though. The last, uh, six months or so, I, I don't know if I've been that reasonable about OU football or not just the way everything is kind of broken down, but, uh, no, I, you know, I've always kind of tried to, um, do a little bit more. I, I like to think of it as the, uh, an analytical perspective, uh, not necessarily analytics as numbers, but, you know, more kind of rational or, uh, you know, academic study of uh, college football and what it means to be a fan from that perspective and, uh, you know, what, how college football really works. So, um, you know, I guess reasonable is a, uh, is a nice descriptor, but uh, like you said, it doesn't exactly make for a fiery, uh, fiery uh you know podcasting here so we're doing a great job of selling everybody obviously on my uh my first show here <laughs> yeah what we're selling is lukewarm takes don't worry about it <laughs> this is gonna be us yeah 
But uh, just like how the podcast, when we had to find uh, someone to come in and step in because someone else had to leave, um, now we're in this strange hypothetical for the this this coming football season of what happens if Dylan Gabriel has to step away or he has to sit down for a bit, and you've got someone needing to take his spot. You know, we've got a uh, what a true freshman who looks like he's 160 pounds, and then a bunch, and then nobody at this point in time. Um, Alan, uh, who who did they have on campus this weekend? I, I I'm I've had a, a tough weekend. Kind of, I, I got a new dog. A new ah. dog. I got a seven week old puppy, and it's been I've have to like watch him every thirty minutes to kind of make sure he doesn't do something stupid. Well, not stupid, but you know, do a puppy thing that you don't want him to do. <laughs> so catch me up on what's been going on with the I guess with the QB two spot at OU, man. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, around the team or doing any reporting, anything like that. I mean, I'm just following what I've seen on social media or different websites reporting. Um, there was one report floating out there, and I, I wish I could give credit to whoever it was. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but that uh, Gary or Jerry Bohannon, I never figured out how you pronounce that one, from Baylor, uh, was in yeah. for the weekend uh, or, you know, at some point in the past few days was in visiting. Um, you know, if he had any interest in transferring to OU, uh, at that point, it clearly something, uh, came up because he's now headed to South Florida for an announcement today. So, um, the other name that was out there is a transfer from Pitt. Um, name is Davis Bevel, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, you know, big kid out of Pitt. Uh, you know, I believe he was class of 2019, uh, recruiting. So that would make him, you know, grad probably in the grad transfer, uh, you know, kind of, uh, stage, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's hard to find, I think a player who is wanting to transfer right at this moment that, um, is going to be happy being the number two behind, uh, clearly what we have is, uh, an entrenched starter in Dylan Gabriel, uh, so, you know, I don't know exactly what Bevel's, uh, what, what this, uh, pit kids, uh, long game would be, but, you know, I mean, there's no shame in seeing behind Kenny Pickett. He was a first round draft pick this year, but, you know, also you have to consider that Pitt brought in a, a transfer from USC and Keaton Slovis this year. So, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like he has much of a future there, uh, in Pittsburgh. I was trying to think about that as well when it looked like it may have been Bohan and people Twitter were kind of getting kind of hyped up about this thing uh, about like, well, they really bring this guy in. It could be really nice. And I've never been, I was never a big Bohan fan. I mean, what Baylor did wasn't, you know, didn't kind of function through the quarterback position for them to, to, to achieve the goals they did last year. But the thing I kept thinking about was like, well, maybe this Dylan Gabriel thing, I think the OU quarterback position is a two year, two years away from, concrete solidify beyond just the current uh, talent level of a Dylan Gabriel, what we have right now. And and let's say there's a chance that Dylan does is just a one-year guy. I I don't know what his NFL prospects are, but let's say he is just a one-year guy. And then this Davis kid could have his one year. And then, right. And then we, then we're set up uh, from that point. In fact, Jackson Arnold or somebody else kind of coming in, but it does seem to be just an insanely hard position for OU to be in. Cause like you said, I mean, we've got a guy who's basically a starter. I, and there's been a, like, 
has there been an official announcement or anything? Have they said like QB one type of thing? Other than oh, like I mean, I think stuff? I think Jeff Levy, like even before spring practice start, sorry, was like, yeah, Gabriel Dolan's our starter. Just yeah. you know, I mean, I don't think there's any there's any doubt about it. So yeah, he's yeah, especially if who's on roster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just puts OU in such an awkward position, not having anyone. But I mean, if they go down, it's yeah and don't forget i mean gabriel missed what nine games ten games last year with a broken collarbone so you know i mean it's not as though uh, he doesn't have a little bit of an injury history there for them to be concerned about yeah i mean my, the the place i'm going for and i subscribe myself i guess we we can i forgot to talk about all the, the patreon stuff i mean follow uh, through the heels patreon <laughs> you should <laughs> come find us to give uh, support us uh we try to do some extra podcasts and some writing content and some video content uh but um, one of the ones I follow myself personally is for Red Dirt Sports, and um, you know, he's talking about potentially some G5 guy kind of like promoting into uh, an OU position or something kind of like that, kind of coming from um, a D2 situation or something like that and kind of getting in there. It, it just To me, it'd just be so hard to kind of get an actual Power 5 quarterback, backup or not, just to move into another backup position. It's a little worrying, like we've said, but – Maybe oh you can just run the football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean honestly, when they were talking when, when Bohannon's name came out there, I mean that's what I was thinking. Like, I mean, so are you looking for like a wildcat type situation coming up or something like that? Because like, uh, I don't know. I, I like you. I mean, gosh, you know, I don't want to dump on the guy because uh, it's you know he quarterbacked Baylor to uh, you know Big Twelve championship. You know, at least most of the season he did. Uh, you know, he played he played well enough to uh, to at least get him there. But um, he's just not the kind of thrower that uh, I envision. You know, uh, team of the, that that like you want OU to be. Uh, you know, that type of thrower. So yeah, you know, the, there's got to be somebody out there that would be interested in in making that kind of move, especially if. Uh, you know, they might have a year under their belt uh, afterwards, uh, one more year remain to play. Let's just have to mm-hmm. see uh, how that goes. But, you know, I mean, the the timing to get this uh, kind of emotion that, you know, I mean, obviously the, right now is when they need to be doing it and it's starting to run kind of short. Yeah. And I'm going to try to do my best to do a segue here. You're talking about throwers, um, Bo Hannon for Baylor, and also just thinking about who's, who's, the, the good throwers in the big 12. I mean, yeah. Dylan Gabriel is going to be in that top three group more than likely of quarterback positions. Um, and I think with how the big 12 normally goes, it comes and goes with the quarterback position for the most part. It's not a super talent deep league. As you can tell from the, the uh, NFL draft just coming up, I think OU was like uh, tied with like, uh, anyway, the, the pac 12 ACC sucked <laughs> compared yeah. to the big 10 and the sec putting kids into the NFL. So, I mean, if you have the quarterback position somewhat solidified, even if you don't have the backup, at least you have to starter, you can kind of move forward. Um, you know, there are people who are still kind of getting hyped up on um, Oklahoma State because they have Spencer Sanders, entrenched starter. I wouldn't be very happy <laughs> if that's who I was holding on to, but entrenched starter, someone who's been there for a while, someone you kind of know what you're getting, the good and the bad of it. So that kind of brings me to this uh, very early from Bet River Sportsbook, the 2022 Big 12 title odds. Matt, who, who do you think your top three, uh, if you if you haven't seen this tweet? Who do you think the top three? I have uh, I have seen this tweet, so I don't, wanna, I don't want to cheat. I don't want to cheat, Okay, but I, I have seen it. Okay, well, we've seen it, so we're not going to cheat. So I'll give, you, I'll give you the top three. Oklahoma at plus 150, Texas 225, and Oklahoma State 
at 700. Uh, Baylor last year's winner is all the way down to fifth at plus 1200. Uh, those are a bunch of big numbers. I'm not a sports uh, better myself because I'm not degenerate. Um, <laughs> but it makes me think Baylor isn't getting the respect they potentially deserve. Now, these are somewhat obviously different from like power rankings. I think Baylor would be much higher if this were power rankings. But I mean, Alan, you've, you've for a long time have done some, uh, done some pick them type things and like, <laughs> walk people through some stuff. I mean, we're so far out from this stuff from even mattering, but is this how you would kind of look at it? Just, I mean, I'm assuming you're looking at scheduling and like, cause if OU beats Texas, it's good to go. Or if Texas beat OU, yeah. it's probably good to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of factors that play into something like this. Uh, you, there's actually a lot of um, kind of art and science to doing these kinds of futures. I'll start off by saying these are all very bad bets, all of them without a doubt. So <laughs> if you're uh, yes. going in this looking to make some money, I, I would uh, advise against it. Maybe instead use it as a hedge. But anyway, uh, looking at this, you know, again, like you mentioned, I wouldn't power rank Baylor to be, say, the 15th, fifth best team in the conference. But at the same time, you know, one thing that as Oklahoma fans, I think that we forget about since OU plays that neutral site game every year is that, you know, for every besides OU and Texas, everybody else, they've got the, uh, you know, four games or five games at home. It just depends on what the year is. Baylor this year plays five road games in the Big 12, right? Starting mm-hmm. off, they've got at Iowa State, they play a Thursday night game at West Virginia. I'm sure you can imagine what the atmosphere will be like for that. Then at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma, those are back-to-back games. And then closing the season at Texas. That is not a favorable schedule at all. Uh, you know, home games against TCU, Kansas State, uh, Kansas and OSU. Now you got a couple good breaks in there. And since you get 50, 50 games against teams like Oklahoma state and, uh, Kansas state there in Waco, but that's a, that's just a really, really tough road schedule. And, you know, I'm assuming also, you know, I mean, Baylor lost uh, some key guys there on that, on the defensive side of the ball, yeah. uh, which really powered their team last year too. So, I mean, all in all, <sighs> You know, now you might look at it and say, oh, well, Baylor's a value play. Sure. But yeah, the, uh, that's not the kind of schedule that you want, you know, to have set up as for your Big 12, uh, you know, title hopes. Yeah, it's also, I mean, we have a, I mean, you know, last season was so long ago, but Baylor was five and one in one score games. I mean, that that's hard to live on that edge. You know, Oklahoma yeah. State was six and two. OU was six and one. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the top three schools in the Big 12, um, they were very easily any one, any one of them could have been six and six very easily, <laughs> but yeah. things kept breaking their way. Um, and you know, a lot of these teams played a lot of one score games. Texas was two and four in one score games. I mean, you can easily see how they bounce back and, you know, go seven and five instead of five and seven or something along those lines. I mean, it, it's all there and it's all possible in front of them. But as you said, I mean, these, these it, it's hard to think about putting money on Oklahoma to be the all in favorite, but I think, I think it's just also just part of it being this. Uh, we've had the pendulum has swung. I saw some ESPN power rankings that had OU as number four. Um, and it's like, okay, now we're swinging back to this thing. Of, <laughs> yeah. Oh, OU is good again. Oh yeah. I forgot. Like, Oh, you will be good. Doug. Cause they have a bunch of talent and they have good coaches. And, and I think it'll probably swing back again where OU. You know, maybe after some transfer portal shenanigans, OU's maybe back to mid in the pack <laughs> in the Big 12 in some minds. 
but we've got a long way to go from these backs and forth and back and forth. Um, but I guess to put you on put you on the line because you said these are all bad bets. Who who would who would who would you toss money at if you had if they had some hypothetical number next to them that you thought was appeasing? Like what team has a general current makeup? You know, is you know, Iowa State's getting a really bad rap according to some because they lost like thirty starters, but maybe they won't be horrible. I mean, what's a team out there that you really think could have a chance at that? The Matt will ask you the same thing. For me, the first one that comes to mind is Kansas State. Um, you know, I there's I realize you know uh, Adrian Martinez now is going to be the uh, quarterback there. Not a great track yeah. record himself, but it's a well coached team. They've got uh, you know uh, pretty good offensive weapon there. You know, in Deuce Vaughn, um, and then uh, let's see here. Looking at their schedule, I think they've got one, two, three four okay they've only got four home games but um i don't know i it's also a kind of a low margin team in the sense that you, you know what you're getting there kansas state would is the first one that comes to mind for me if i was looking for a value play yeah yeah i won't i, I for one kind of like um the the, the quarterback you mentioned I, my, my, my mind's blanking i apologize martinez I, I think martinez yes i i think Nebraska is just so snake bit. I think him getting into a different situation, into a different system potentially, and it won't be all that different. I mean, Clement does like to have that QB run game and will kind of showcase him out on some things, but maybe having a little more attention to detail, a little more things on the side can maybe cut down on some of those mental mistakes he, he creates for himself and creates for that team. Um, that I think if we're gonna, if I, I love just pile on the Scott Frost for some unknown reason, <laughs> but it just seems like he's a good coach it seems like Scott Frost would be a really good coach at like an Oregon or at like a team where it's like, Oh, I just have a bunch of talent. Let's just go kick some ass instead of like, I have to coach these guys on the edges and try to win in the margins. Um, he's not a, I guess this is, this may be the best compliment I've ever given to Tom Herman. He's not a Tom Herman type of coach where he's <laughs> yeah. like trying to beat you on the edges of stuff. Like he seems like when he had a ton of talent, a ton of speed, he just ran you off the field. Um, and it's just not happening at Nebraska, but at Kansas state, that's what they live by. <laughs> they yeah. live in the margins. And I think that could help out. Um, I, I think West Virginia, if I were trying to take something, I, I it depends on the quarterback transfer, how he actually kind of gets embedded into the system and stuff um, that they always play. OU very tough, very, OU very strong. And that's usually the only time I see them. So maybe it's like painting that picture, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I yeah. think that would be a decent value pick in my mind. Uh, I don't have their schedule pull up in front of me, but uh, you know, you just don't see them like talent wise being up there uh, in the, in the top half of the league. But at the same time, there's so much missing throughout the entirety of this league that I don't know, Matt, who would you, if you had, if you had some fake monopoly money and some, right. and some fake monopoly numbers, who are you tossing money at in the big 12 top? Right. Chances? I- I'm not even, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like, like a follower here. Kansas state is the one that stuck out to me. I mean, Adrian Martinez, you got a veteran quarterback who's played a ton of, of college football and guys, I would be honest. I, I think that's a step up in coach in a head coach. Oh, for sure. Yes. I, would, I am a I huge would, fan yeah. of Chris Kleiman. Like he is just, I mean, he is as rock solid as you can be. Like, I mean, as far as I mean, all the coaches, I feel like in the big 12 more, more, I mean, no, I won't say all of them. Like, like, for example, like Kansas, I think they have one of the best coaches. In the, like, I love Lance Leipold. It's just yeah. he's at Kansas, and he's not going to get, like, he's not going to get any talent. I love Chris Kleiman. 
Um, I love, I love Matt Campbell. I think Matt Campbell, like, I, I think they're going to win a game that they absolutely should not have. Like they're going to beat an Oklahoma state or a Texas, or maybe even an OU just because like they did not do well as the, with expectations, but whenever they don't have expectations, they overperform and Matt Campbell looks like a genius. Again, like, you know, like it, it's mm-hmm. one of those things, but uh, I would say Kansas state, um, the schedule for Baylor is tough. Like, like Alan just said, but I still think they're going to have the best offensive line in the, in the entire conference. And I'm, I am a huge fan of Blake Chapin, their quarterback too. I, I mean, we saw him win, win the big 12 title and look great doing it too. So yeah, no, I, I think, I think Baylor or K state would be my picks. I would stay far away from West Virginia. If I, if that was yeah. me, like, Oh man, I mean, I would stay far away from them. Like I just, they lose, not only they did they lose, lose. Akeem Mesidor, they yeah. lost Akeem Mesidor. They lost their best player. Yeah. Didn't they lose a couple more defensive line? Like they had a good defensive line last year. I think I thought they they lost more than Mesidor too. Yeah, they did lose a couple other guys. They just, yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like that's one program that has been kind of targeted as we can, you know, teams know that they can go in there and steal anybody that on that roster yeah. right now that they uh, that they want. So and and yeah. while I was mentioning head coaches too, I mean, I just Dave Aranda's he is that dude. Like. I, yeah. I love Dave Rand. I am I am a huge fan. Yeah, a lot of stability there too. You just know week in, week out what you're gonna get with Aranda and Baylor. Yeah. And now I'm looking at the the uh yeah. Yeah, Virginia Tech's probably a stupid one. I shouldn't have said. <laughs> no. You mean West, no, West Virginia, Virginia or Virginia Tech? I'm sorry, West Virginia. They play <laughs> they have to go to Virginia Tech. And, and they, they play you know, Pitt this year too, yeah, right? At Pitt, at Virginia <laughs> Tech, at Texas. Uh, that's a that's a hell do of a Oklahoma start yeah. speaking yeah, of true. Pitt, if if uh you guys want to check out that davis bevel guy i forgot that he was the third string quarterback at Pitt because oh, obviously in their in their uh, yeah he was the third string because the their bowl game against michigan state uh kenny pickett obviously opted yeah, out sat out yeah and then they started their second string he got hurt in like the first quarter and like couldn't return to the game so bevel mm-hmm. came in uh, I, I was looking up his stats. He was like 14 of 18 for like 140 yards and a touchdown. And he also threw a pick in that one too. So if, I mean, there might, there might be nothing in the bevel thing, but if you're bored and want to go check out, just go watch some, yeah. some plays of that game. But I, I, I thought I recognized that name. I was like, Oh yeah, he was the third string guy. Cause they like kept getting the quarterbacks kept getting injured in that bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we're going to move on to the, I mean, it's off season show guys. So I apologize. And also my first time kind of driving the bus with the, with the three panel. Usually when I'm driving the bus, it's me and Matt and we get to be insane. Uh, <laughs> but we're trying to be a little, uh, a little more put together. Um, so there's a bunch of uncertainty, like I said, with, with all the, um, uh, the, the, the odds and everything and what we're trying to work through. But the main topic of discussion that uh, I, I know Alan and I wanted to have was all the NIL um, legisl- I'll, I'll go ahead and say legislation or guidelines yeah, that, that seem like yeah. to be coming through. Uh, and the NCAA saying they're going to retroactively punish uh, programs for maybe inducing um, uh, recruits to their programs. Um, I mean, I, I guess my general thoughts of it, I'll try to kick off the discussion is I don't know. There seems to be a big, big push from a lot of like really large uh, national college football types to say there should be zero guidance. There should be zero regulation of this stuff and the kids should be able to get whatever they want uh, and however they want to. Um, and it's for some reason that just keeps striking me as such an odd stance to take, knowing that 
like once you cover the sport enough, you got to know there's enough seedy underbelly of it, or there's a lot of people who do not have these kids' best interests in mind, <laughs> but they're yeah. fine throwing money at them. <laughs> like it's like it's totally yeah. fine. They're a usable commodity. It doesn't matter. Oh, they get hurt. No big deal. Who cares? On to the next one type of a thing. Uh, because this is not an ROI type of investment. They're not bringing these kids in thinking, oh, sweet, my car dealership's going to sell more cars. Like they don't care. They want their local football team <laughs> to do better. <laughs> uh, and that's it. Um, but I do think there needs to be some sort of guidance around it or structure around it. And, and honestly, there's, there, there's even just a, a larger point on like how these schools are, are able to draw more money up and kind of build their own NIL collectives and stuff. And I, I look at a school like the University of Miami it having just a major boom uh, during the COVID pandemic and earning, I think it was like a 400 million dollar revenue generating and now it turns out potentially producing like 300 million of that for the football <laughs> for sports uh instead of potentially investing that back into healthcare uh, which just seems an odd way to spend that money <laughs> if you're trying <laughs> to think about the roi side of things um so when i think about that stuff i think man there needs to be some guidance but it doesn't it is this guidance better not just be oh you're not allowed to induce recruits that's it final there's so much money floating around in, in this post COVID world. And, you know, we've got inflation stuff kind of going on. People have more money, less things to spend it on. I don't want to get too political into it, but there, I think these programs, the ones who are kind of taking hardcore advantage of it, again, looking like at a USC or something of that nature, looking at AM, even though Jimbo says they only went down there for mm. the Aggie education. Um, <laughs> it, the, to me, that just seems like there needs to be something that's more than just. Hey, you can't talk to that kid. Now we're going to punish you. I mean, I, and maybe I'm just out of, out of bounds on that. I mean, Alan, do you think does does it just need to be the pony excess? I mean, am I just have I become an old overnight? I mean, what's happening to my world? Well, you know, I, I mean, I look at this issue, and I think that a lot of people. I mean, first of all, you know, we we talk about this as nil name image lightness, and it's yes. we're not really talking about that anymore. We're talking about, you know, pay for play. We're talking about recruiting inducements. Like, you know, very few of these deals that are going on out there have any type of actual kind of hope of an economic return to them, right? You know, uh, especially, you know, like the, the charitable collectives, for example, those are those are the ones that I think are just ridiculous. Um, my hope is that those get shut down really quickly. That's just me. They just look like straight up abuses of the tax system. Um, but my, uh, I don't know my, the, this is kind of a really, I think a lot of people have looked at NIL as a kind of way to kind of, uh, you know, get players paid, you know, in terms of justifying the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, ends and making uh, ends meet, you know, justifying, how them getting compensated without the schools actually having being forced to do it because of course you know these collectives these uh, donor groups they're all run by boosters or professionals outside the school the schools can't be the ones who are actually uh you know in charge of those deals um but what you end up getting and i think you know you, you kind of got you kind of touched on but you have a lot of these operators out there i mean who are going to be these, a lot of these collectors in 12, 18, 24 months, they're going to be gone. Uh, 
They'll have a lot of unfunded obligations. I think that kids, you know, who went to maybe was deciding between say like Tennessee and Georgia and decided to go with a bigger offer from Tennessee, maybe, uh, you know, if that, if that collective is gone in a year, they've gone, they, the main reason they went to that school is now, now gone also. Um, you know, you need a more stable kind of source in, in the actual employer, the school itself, yeah. in my opinion, to be the one that should be in charge of compensating the kids. And then, you know, if they're NIL deals out there to be, to be had and, you know, legit NIL, go for it. How do you make that? But the legit NAIL thing, I mean, are you going to, do you think the NCAA is going to, I mean, obviously we're going to learn this midweek, you know, probably later on in the week, maybe it's maybe, you know, maybe it becomes a news day, Friday, uh, Friday news dump type situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, do you think they start looking at above market rate or like, like I mean, I work for a native uh, government. And so a lot of our program stuff we have, it's like percentage over the poverty rate, percentage over median mm-hmm. income rate and stuff like that. I mean, do you think the NCAA would even want to like walk down that aisle, walk down that and say, okay, yes, you can go to Oklahoma. And they're going to, they have, you know, you're, you're now going to be a, a contract employee via this, via the university of Oklahoma. You're going to be, a, I guess, a state employee to a certain degree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're going to get healthcare you're gonna get all this other stuff and you can pursue these other marketing deals, but do these guidelines in the state of Oklahoma, they can only be worth up to 45,000 because that's 200% over the poverty line. But if you were to go to California, then it's, you, know, you can take one that's $800,000 or, you know, something like that. I mean, if, if you had the chance to shape it, I know I'm putting you right on the spot. If you had a chance to kind of shape that, I mean, is it state to state? Is it just a big blanket? I mean, how are you walking through it if, if you had the wand, I guess, to fix it? Oh, gosh, man. I, well, I, I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be going down this road. You know, I mean, I would be trying to figure out how to make uh, it well trying to set up some type of contractual relationship, in my opinion, between the players and the schools uh, more so than, you know, it's, you know, there's, there are also downsides to making players employees also. I mean, there's just a lot going on here. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, this is a really, really hard question for me to answer just in the sense, because in the sense that like, these schools have been getting rich off these kids or have been, you know, people have been profiting off this system for so long that I have a hard time really being up in arms about, about any of this. Um, you know, and, and I do kind of think that the market eventually is going to sort itself out in, to a degree where, you know, you'll have maybe some, you know, kind of collectives that come that kind of pull together or, um, you know, schools will figure out a way to do some type of, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, collective bargaining with players. I mean, to me, that's kind of the, the ultimate kind of end game there would be, I think the best way to do this would be to set up a collective bargaining agreement with players yeah. and then, um, you know, let them do NIL on their own. And, you know, I mean, how will that, will that stop boosters then from paying them extra? No, but at least you have some type of, you know, regular, you know, kind of uh, regulated compensation in there. Yeah. And you're talking about like these things kind of merging together and bringing together, uh, I think just over the weekend or just before the weekend happened, you know, the Florida state collectives have merged together uh, to become one big collective mm-hmm. uh, instead of having the multiple stuff. And that's something I was thinking about for, for, uh, for Oklahoma. They've got one Oklahoma 
And I think Gabe was talking about doing one. There's mm-hmm. another group out there that's thinking about doing one. And there is some fear if you're really thinking about it. It's like, well, how much money is it actually in the state of Oklahoma? Yeah. <laughs> to try to try to support three different collectives. What happens to the Sooner Club? What happens to gifts to the um, uh, a program for better facilities and things like that? Um, it, it, it does seem like, well, maybe OU really knew this was happening and why I had to like get out of the big 12 immediately. <laughs> it's like, like we need a, we need a ton more money because we're going to start paying players directly. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think that's, what's going to happen just across the board? It's like, it's just going to be like one Oklahoma. It's got one collective. Each school has like one collective. It is somewhat overseen by the school, but it is, it, you know, it's kind of semi-autonomous uh, to allow them to actually talk to recruits um, without, I guess, breaking any sort of rules. Um, but be complete overseen by like, I know the big boogeyman's OU compliance, but OU compliance having some sort of look at it or like, you know, at least like a passing glance or maybe they put like the rubber stamp on, yeah, you can talk to that kid or yeah. Because some of the stuff I've seen already is like, wow, some car dealership guy's trying to get this kid some money to come to school and the coach doesn't even want that kid. (laughs) Right, (laughs) yeah. are, Are they talking? I mean, do you think this will just be a more efficient way to be able to funnel that money to the kids it needs to go to, to help the program, you know, help these head, these coaching staffs. Well, you know, what's funny is uh, Joe Siglione, actually, I heard a uh, radio interview he did maybe two, three weeks ago. And I mean, his idea, which seems to make sense is actually that the players all unionize and they then uh, work with the schools to broker uh, NIL deals. Right. So, I don't know exactly what he meant by unionizing the sense of would they be collectively bargaining some type of employment contract, something like that. I'm not entirely sure, but it just seems like right now doing it this way, there's so much, there's so many opportunities out there for, you know, what I described as leakage, you know, like mm-hmm. p- people taking bigger percentages off the top than, you know, that are warranted, you know, for brokering a deal, for example, or, um, you know, you have some redundancies in terms of if you have three collectives, do you really need three sets of infrastructure to manage each one? Are they all just doing the same thing? Whereas you could bring them all together and uh, gain some efficiencies there. Um, you know, those are, those are the types of issues that, that I want, uh, I wonder about. Um, I, I just have to think though, that like, the real issue here, you mentioned stuff like the Sooner Club, for example. I think that's really yeah. what has schools more concerned than anything else, because, you know, at the end of the day, if you're if you're a booster at AM who loves football, uh, do you feel like your money is better served giving it to the school or putting it in a collective to go and, you know, uh, sign a deal with a five star defensive lineman? I, I, to me, it's a pretty obvious choice. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's just an instant choice. And that, that, that sparks a, something in my mind. I want to put a pause on that. Matt, working for the radio station and stuff like that. I mean, you have amounts a different type of employment here that's kind of talking about this stuff. I mean, is there anything in the NIL world that you guys are having to deal with? I mean, like if, I mean, let's say Big Red Sports Auto, or I can't remember the one who got uh, uh, Bomar and so much trouble. Yeah, it was but, Big uh, Red. Uh, yeah. Big Red. I mean, is there a thing there where you guys now have to like deal with some of these people to make sure those ads get on the air and they're promoting the player and all that type of, I mean, have, has, have you guys even walked into that world yet about like <laughs> taking those ad buys and stuff? Yeah. Um, 
I will say this was this was great business for uh, Schwab Schwab Neats mm-hmm. um, because even before even before the season, like right before the season started, um, they they paid Caleb Williams to mm-hmm. do commercials for them. But even before the season, but like so when he was just the backup. And then yeah. obviously, whenever the Texas game happened, hey, we started playing those commercials basically every commercial break. <laughs> like, you know, so that, that I, I personally don't deal with that. I would have to talk to like one of our sales salespeople because mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they do. But uh, for our station, as far as like getting interviews and press conferences, stuff like stuff like that, it's it's still pretty simple, pretty easy for us too because we are the flagship station for OU. So it's it's still relatively easy for us. I'm not sure how difficult it would be uh, if we weren't the flagship station. I, I, I don't yeah. know. Well, and the yeah, other thing to think about there, though, too, is you might it might actually end up being better for you also in the sense that, you know, it's going to be – there's going to be pressure on coaches to give their players more visibility so that they can, you know, uh, right. enhance their vis- marketability. And I was also going to say you're also part of the, the flagship – Oh, you podcast as well. Absolutely. Um, yes. 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 So please not forget that. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking about that stuff, like in, you know, the state of Oklahoma or you know, the Oklahoma City Metro and stuff like that, just specifically. I mean, what if there is like three or four different NIL collectives and they have different players and they're they're each competing about trying to get on which radio station, how many ads are being bought? And, you know, it just seems like it's just a big, giant mess <laughs> even mm. it, it, once you start getting further and further and further down um there, there's a thing i listened to about um about rockefeller and how he look at the oil business and he's like i have you know we need to just consolidate everything and for more efficiency's sake and everything now if you know your history obviously that didn't work out um mm. uh, well for the giant company but worked out really well for the stakeholders uh who own mm. <laughs> the big pieces of that um it seems like something like that's going to end up kind of shaking out um these things where they can kind of get merged. Um, it, it does seem kind of wild that we've gone now from like those Northwestern kids being somewhat radical was like a decade ago to now you have sitting AD saying like, yeah, we should probably think about unionizing all the players together and everything. It just seems yeah. like it's just the next, the very next, you know, logical step. Um, because I think there does need to be something that's contract related in my opinion, because, you know, I mean, we'll just, I'll just go ahead and say it. I mean, Lincoln Riley actively tampering with people on other rosters to get them to come out. Seems like there should be something that could have happened. I mean, we say it's like a becoming more of a pro sport, but you can't do that in pro sports. I mean, there's, you have contracts, you have deals with teams. I mean, there has to be something in place more than just, Oh, now he's got to take a couple extra visits to make it not look so bad. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's another side of that too, in the sense that, I mean, we all know that players get run off from programs all the time too, and they don't really have any, you know, I mean, you know, so many people are, people think that all these kids in the portal are, you know, of their, their, their own volition. I mean, in a lot of cases they're trying to save face, you know, uh, you know, moving on instead of getting their scholarship taken or, coaches uh you know resorting to any of the other kind of informal ways they have of uh, running players off so i mean you know if you're gonna essentially fire a kid from your team you know the point of having a contract is you know in the nfl it's you know i have some type of uh you know fallback or compensation that i'm owed if you know you decide to terminate this deal early stuff Mm -hmm. like those kinds of considerations should be there for the players too 
in college football, in my opinion. Yeah, that's something I remember having conversations, you know, years and years and years ago about saying these kids, they want money. It's a free education. You know, that's that's the that's the that's the compensation, all this free stuff, because I went to college. I had to pay for it. You know, they're able to translate their skills into these compensation things. Now, obviously, that's not a clear uh, uh, compensation via the revenue that's being generated due to mm-hmm. their skill sets. Um, but you'd hear stuff like, well, if they're not playing as well as they need to, we need to go ahead and try to get them to transfer out. We'll bring another kid in. It's like, well, if he's going to practice, he's, if he's keeping his grades up, he's doing what the coaches are telling him to do, then really that's all the trade for the free education was. Yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. trade isn't you're a Heisman quarterback, you get free education. The, the thing is you're on scholarship. If your grades are up and you're not missing practices and you're not you know doing anything illegal or something, then you've upheld your end of the bargain. Now that may become a more messy thing for the players themselves. It's like, hey, you're on contract. This is pay for play now, bud. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, RJ you Washington, know. you got to go. Like, yeah, it's like it's just I mean, work. yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like if that's if the if the trade is like you know, I'm supposed I'm I'm here. I'm making you know I'm filling holding up my end of the deal. Maybe I'm not as good a player as you thought I was, but you know what, like. I, we, we, you, we made a deal. You said you were going to educate me and now you're pulling, you're, yeah. you're pulling back on that. Like, no, there needs to be, it, 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 the power can't all be to the, towards the coaches and the schools and those kinds of relationships. Like there, there has to be yeah. some, there has to be something on the other end of, for, for students also, if that, if we're going to go to that place. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it does sound like you're kind of asking the players to seize the means of production uh, to a certain degree. So I'll go ahead and let, <laughs> yeah. let, let that sit on you. <laughs> if you don't know what I meant, uh, just Google that. And then uh, I'm assuming most of our listeners in Oklahoma, Google that, get angry, and then uh, tweet at me at uh, Peyton Glenn. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, one uh, other thing, actually, though, while, while we're on it, though, uh, one thing I've been thinking about is it seems like a lot of people now are saying, oh, well, the schools are going to have to set up some kind of collective bargaining agreement with them. and mm-hmm. Are the players going to go for that now? Like, especially if you're a star player and you can, you know, you can make, you feel like you can make a million bucks, you know, a, a year on the, on the open market. Why are you going to all of a sudden be down with everybody, you know, taking a collective bargaining agreement, uh, you know, where all of a sudden your leverage yeah, disappears. Like, I think that's one thing that schools now really need are, are going to have to think about if that if if they really do view you know that type of arrangement as the end game. Yeah, if that Tennessee, I, I can't remember if the Tennessee recruit if that report was accurate, but if it was, if it is accurate, and they said you have a chance to earn eight million dollars, yeah, <laughs> why would I sit there and say like the like the OU and IL? Oh, cool, we all get fifty k. Great, yeah. <laughs> it's like well, I had a chance to earn multiple times magnitudes of order more than this <laughs> right i think the only way you can collectively bargain is if i mean i don't know i mean i don't think you can i don't think you can do it like what Dabo is wanting everything to do it's like it goes into a trust and if you graduate you get it and everyone gets across i mean that that's an idiotic that's like someone trying yeah. to say how about we just keep it how it was because i already yeah. know most people don't graduate from our, our teams <laughs> so yeah they're not gonna get money anyway it, it, it seems like just a, a last desperate ditch of like trying to hold on to these things um, I, I think you borderline in to, to appease those type of players and appease those type of boosters. To be honest with you, I think you're going to have some boosters being like, I want to pay that kid a million bucks because he's going to win a national championship. Right? Let's, mm-hmm. just, let's go. Um, 
it almost seems like there's going to have to be like a salary cap type of a situation. Like kids have, you know, kids need to have the ability to earn a certain amount because someone's willing to give them the money to do it, but it needs to be overseen potentially. I mean, uh, but then if, you know, if you have Alabama, I'll say USC again, because, you know, they've got like, you know, Caleb Williams got a deal with beats and a deal with all kinds mm. of stuff. Texas is, you know, they, they've been rolling out the carpet now. I mean, what happens to college football if you already have the haves and the have nots? And it, that's just a natural order of things. I'm not going to say everyone should be equal. You already have the have and the have nots, but now it becomes like the extra haves and <laughs> then the haves and then the have nots. Yeah. I mean, that's just beyond just recruiting or like we have really good coaches. Um, or is it just kind of like a baseball thing? Does baseball have a salary cap? I can't remember. One of, one of you people who watch sports. I don't watch baseball, but I think they have a salary floor. I know they have some, I know they, they have uh, something. Yeah. They do not have a salary cap, but then, no. yeah, I, I couldn't remember if they had like pay a tax thing or something like that. Like in yeah. NBA, I mean, maybe it's something like the, you know, maybe it is something more like a custom, like the major league baseball where it's like, yeah, you have to have a floor. People have to get paid. They get taken care of and then allow schools to go crazy, but it's not like the Yankees win every year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And they spend a ton of money. So uh, maybe it's just maybe it's just like an overthinking about this stuff. Um, but do do kids have to be on scholarship to receive an NIL deal? Oh no, I don't think. I mean, I don't see how you could even enforce that. No, the uh, the Kansas kid got an NIL deal for catching that touchdown yeah, against that's right against Texas. So then, what happens if? I mean, what happens if Bama's like, we're just going to roster 120 kids or something? I mean, I, I don't, you know, like, yeah, you just keep gray shirting them, but we're like, we'll just right. pay them. Like, who cares? I mean, yeah, it. It, there there are ways i can look at this and say oh i can break college football in a day yeah. just give me give me a little bit i can break this I can break this sport uh if you don't put some stuff on there uh to me it needs to be scholarship based I me mean, tied to a person who's on scholarship because you can't because yeah, oh you i guess could have brought in baker and been like just come on down we got yeah exactly you know, we don't we don't we even need to give a scholarship yeah yeah um and then so the, the last thing i want to say is the uh, did you did you guys read about the the Zay Jones I think that was it Zay Flowers from uh, yeah from BC, BC. That story yeah here's my general take I think he made a bad financial decision at any point in time his next practice he can go break his foot and that's it <laughs> I mean uh, but I don't I, I don't know how much of this money was guaranteed or whatever if someone's like I'm literally writing you a check for six hundred thousand dollars right now. Uh, I mean, to me, current money is, I guess not to me, it's true. Current money is usually more valuable than future money. Like get the money you can now that you can put into your thing is um, a a, a player I'm using this example right now is like Justin Ross of uh, Clemson. He wasn't even football injury. It was just a genetic thing (laughs) kind of popped up and you had to take care of stuff. But I bet $600,000 would have been very helpful for him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because right now he, now he's undrafted. And I think at Kansas City, question mark. Um, but I mean, for this type of stuff, I mean, Matt, if what do you think? Do you think the kids should just be, I'm super loyal to my school. We're going to go here. They've got like an alumni program. I'm going to be able to make money and I'm staying in the system I'm in that I'm producing in and maybe get an NFL deal. Or do you roll the dice and take the 600K? I mean, to me, it just depends on the player, man. Like it's literally, it's got to be the player's choice. And most of these, uh, situations I'm going to side with the player. Like 
I just try to look at it through their lens, put myself in their shoes. Like if I'm a 20 year old kid, someone offers me 600 grand, man, like, (laughs) yeah, sign me up. So like, I'm not going to sit here. I'm closing it on 30, man. I'm closing on 30. I'm feeling old, Um, but closing (laughs) on 30 and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to have an old's take and be like, Oh, well, he shouldn't do that. Good for him. But good for it like it's it's his choice if he wants to stay loyal that that's awesome that's that's great i i love that and if he wanted to go get six hundred thousand dollars good too that's good too like i'm sure his family could have used it he could have used it like all that stuff uh my main thing is man i'm looking at his stats right now if he's getting offered six hundred thousand like there's a reason Jordan Addison's getting like three million. Like this. Yeah. Like there's a there's a reason. Like my man Zay yeah. Flowers, he's put it, he put up good numbers. 44 catches, 746 yards, and five touchdowns. I mean, those are good numbers, but that's not like, hey man, we're gonna break the break the bank to go sign this this kid. But hey, that's just the state of college football right now. And my my whole thing since this has happened, it, it's it's really struck me as the NCAA being like okay, you've asked for this for so long. For so long, you've asked for players to get paid. We never have wanted to do it. Finally, you broke us down. We're going to do it. We're going to allow players to get paid. But don't ask us to get involved. That's basically all it's been. It's like, don't ask us to get involved. You got what you want. Now, here, free reign, go. Now now don't come complaining whenever it's not working out uh, how you thought. that's, That's what it strikes me as. It's the NCAA basically being like screw you you wanted this here's this you you kind of made your bed now now lay in it type of thing and that's just that's what strikes me about the ncaa i just i hate it man yeah i mean i think that really the ncaa just isn't set up to the ncaa isn't set up to monitor college sports as a big business it's set up to you know run a championship and host tournaments and give people rules to that you know kind of for competition it's not set up to to do any of this and there are so many different competing interests that there's no way to write particularly good rules uh for something like nil especially when you consider that you've got colleges in 50 different states also participating so you know you're going to have all different types of state laws that you've got to you know kind of uh butt up against it the whole thing is yeah it's very very messy yeah my i guess my conspiracy theory hot take with that is I mean, once they got once they got the nino smack from the supreme court which doesn't happen very yeah. often you're not mm-hmm. getting the nine you're not getting nine owed by the supreme court yeah. unless it's like a hardcore thing uh and like was it mark emmerich who said it, it was like well we have some clarity now yeah 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 but to me i think it was a little bit of like oh, okay like you said you wanted it this is it you guys are gonna get it and then they, they, they just said, here you go. But all the entire time, they get a little notepad saying, oh, that school's doing that. We didn't think about that. We're doing this, this, this. Yeah. Oh, we didn't think you could loophole that around. Like they're writing the rules as they see the market kind of unfurl in front of them. And I mean, are, are they really going to now say, look at all, it, this is all perfectly legal while you're doing it, but we've decided now it's not legal uh do our do according to our bylaws and we're going to smack you guys around i mean what are we really expecting going to happen like 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 scott frost show call like no coaching for five days i mean like (laughs) yeah but like the thing is is that 
uh, like everything with with the NCAA, like the language is very weaselly, right? And and open ended. So, I mean, like the idea that you can you know use NIL deals as recruiting inducements, I mean, is clearly outlawed, right? But I mean. I think a lot of, in a lot of cases, it's been like, well, you know, prove that we're using this to, you know, as a recruiting inducement yeah. or, you know, you're, you're not going to do anything about it anyway. You don't, you guys aren't enforcing your, your rules at all. Uh, so, I mean, in theory, it's the NCAA, the NCAA makes up rules and precedent all the time. I mean, they can do whatever they want. You know, I think that uh, I, I think that, that they'll feel very confident that what they've already put out there in terms of guidance and guidelines will cover whatever kind of sanctions it is that they, they end up handing down just because that's how the NCAA operates. It always has. Yeah. And they're expecting the schools to follow the rules that have been given to them. You know I mean? Um, but what I get to their point, why should they? Yeah. <laughs> well, but the, at school, point the-, in time, the only schools who actually do, I mean, let, let's look at a, um, North Carolina really didn't get in all that much no. trouble, right? And they didn't work with them. They're like, nope, <laughs> you, you yeah. come find all the evidence. We were not working with you at all. In Oklahoma State, oh, like, Kansas, yeah, we, we, Kansas basketball. Yeah, yeah Kansas as well. <laughs> they, just like, the, like, they just handed them the yeah. trophy. Like, come find me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Oklahoma State's like, yeah, some dude made a couple phone calls. We're going to tell you about it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're idiots. Like, if you ever get into a situation, you have to talk to a cop. The only thing I've ever learned is never talk to the cop. <laughs> yeah. Their job is to <laughs> enforce lawyer, the law. Yeah. Their job is never to protect you. <laughs> it just seems so strange that Isabelli is not thinking, oh, then we'll put these guidelines out and these schools will just follow all these rules on their own volition. <laughs> well, but they're the school's rules. It's like, at the same, I mean, the, the schools are the NCAA, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. they're like, you guys, you guys wanted to have these rules, and now you're not following them. You asked us to enforce these for you, and now you just don't care. I mean, eh, yeah, it's a it's a very inane system. Uh, but do we think so? I guess maybe kind of put a nice little bow on our uh, kickoff of, I guess maybe like season two through the keyhole or something. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something kind of cool to say. Oh, you recently has been a rule following school historically has not been i will go ahead and say that historically uh-huh. OU has not been a rule following school so if you're a, a fan of a rival school and you're thinking i'm saying OU's clean not happening for me <laughs> OU is a dirty program but recently they have been like this fear of we don't want to get sanctioned we've seen what that happens 30 years ago we got shook don't want it to happen again all that type of stuff do you think we start seeing OU start changing with the way it's kind of structuring football, that turnip seed, they're kind of doing this associate AD stuff. The football programs are becoming a little more autonomous underneath the AD. It's not kind of all going up to uh, Joe Castiglione the same way it was where he made decisions for all the sports. Um, do we see the point in time where maybe at least OU football is kind of getting more and more and more into the edges of what is quote unquote ethical or not um, to compete in the SEC coming soon. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I've spoken to people who are kind of uh, experts in NCAA law rules and regulations about this in the past. And then what I've, what's been indicated to me is that given OU's history of running afoul of the NCAA, 
that having a more vigorous compliance program, you know, is actually in OU's best interest because it's kind of a deal where it's like you can't control everything. So, you know, when if something does go down, you know, the fact that you had a, uh, you know, a strong compliance program in place will help you. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> compliance can mean a lot of different things also, you know, I mean, compliance uh, versus, you know, in, you know, how following, you know, how often are kids working out or, you know, that type of stuff too. So, I mean, there's, there's probably, there's probably some area there for OU to kind of uh, loosen up. I just don't know if it's going to be this administration necessarily that does it maybe, or this, this athletic department just based on the reputation. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm thinking. Like, in my mind, uh, we have a safety department. So, again, I work for a Native American group, sovereign nation. We have our own safety stuff. We follow a lot of OSHA rules. Uh, the one of the reasons why we have a safety department and to make sure all the construction is being done right, you know, you want to pr- protect people's lives, make sure all these rules are being followed, all that type of stuff. All that stuff is 100% right. But the, one of the bigger reasons why is so the federal government doesn't come like sue us <laughs> or yeah. take us to court or something like that. And that's usually the bigger part of this whole thing. It's like it's protecting the sovereignty of this tribe, this you know, entity. And to me, if the OU compliance can kind of shift more in that way, where it's like, hey, we're here so that no one else comes bugs us. <laughs> mm-hmm. But less like we're here to actually write you up it's like no 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 you shouldn't be doing that if you're doing yeah. that you, you, that's what their jobs like we're, we don't need to double up on somebody else's job to give us tickets we need you to keep them from looking at us you know type of a thing um and that, that's always been my struggle with with the compliance thing i think it's been kind of like unfairly at times kind of made into mm-hmm. the boogeyman you know the the yeah. pasta plates and all that type of stuff and it's like i don't think the you know i don't think the compliance was keeping ou from winning a national championship when walking in front of a team that's got 85, 90% uh, four stars and five stars on its roster. Like I think mm-hmm. there's a different issue that we ran into. It's the other school is just way more talented. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess like looking into the future to me, the sec just seems like it's just going to be just a much different environment that OU needs to get prepped for. Uh, and I don't know if all of that prepping can happen until they're in, in it. I guess. I mean, you don't know what the deep end feels like until you're in the deep end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great way to put it. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling that the desire to win at OU is such that um, OU will adapt to whatever kind of cultural changes come along. If I had to guess. That's, that's kind of, that was kind of my, my whole deal is it's, it's adapt or die really. And as far as the compliance feel like it needs to operate as a tennis court a tennis court if you guys know if you hit it on the line it's still in yeah it's still in <laughs> hey, it still go. counts as in a tennis if you hit, if you hit it outside the line it, it, it's out okay that's yeah. out it, it doesn't count it's not a point but if you hit on the line it's still a point and it counts so you're yeah. saying paint the lines as thick <laughs> as possible as thick yeah. as possible yeah <laughs> Um, I guess to kind of do some house cleaning, some wrapping up, uh, OU baseball, uh, able to get on top of the, uh, number 16, I think ranked, uh, TCU went down to, um, 
I believe Fort Worth. I'm not entirely sure on that. I'm not a huge baseball follower and we've lost our major base, a collegiate baseball guy. <laughs> so I want to try to do better at this. Uh, OU softball claims the regular season big 12 championship uh, only having one loss. Um, that's 10 in a row, by the way, that's 10 in a row. 10 that's in a row. That, 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 <laughs> that's just an unbelievable run of success that, I mean, imagine if the football program was half as successful as that. Luckily, had won five <laughs> yeah. national championships in the last ten years, or something. I mean, or five. You know, it's just like it's just insane wildness there. People, people uh, think we joke about Patty Gasso being the best coach on campus. No, she's she's yeah. always been, man. She's always, unbelievable, she's yeah. unreal. And also, um, Oklahoma State has still not won a softball game in Norman since 1997. So, a little dominant there. Um. There's just been a been a uh, bunch of other stuff coming on. I know the track and field stuff's coming on. So if you guys uh, are patrons to the um, through the keel um, Patreon, we'll have a write up about the Big Twelve days coming down. Um, our our ever trusting uh, 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 Twitter account uh, Davis, who runs that, and also Davis, I am from Southeastern Oklahoma, so that's for, for your uh, drinking game. Um, <laughs> he'll be kind of breaking down uh, track and field stuff for us and kind of like explain to us how these rules work <laughs> how do people how do people win things <laughs> uh, it's not something i've ever been um a part of but it's something that i think maybe just be cool to kind of put another feather in your ear i mean feather in your cap uh, or behind your ear um ou is now getting to the point to where they're winning things to where it's getting really hard for oklahoma state fans to say well we've actually won 700 big 12 titles this year is oklahoma starting to win those things now as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it's kind of interesting to see that turn just from being like a football school to being just an all around athletic school. Um, and the, uh, you know, I think the only track and field knowledge I have of OU, and I hope Davis mm-hmm. mentions this Davis, if you're listening, please write, make a whole paragraph about this kid, Vernon Turner. He's the high jumper for OU. Uh, I believe he's the reigning big 12 champ. And uh, mm-hmm. I believe he cleared seven, seven and a quarter um uh, for his high jump so yeah that's seven feet seven inches seven inches <laughs> and a quarter um so yeah he's basically just routinely jumping over Yao Ming uh Phew. if I had to put that in in uh easier terms so yeah and and the most important part he's a fellow Yukon Miller so that's that's the most important <laughs> well, congratulations part congratulations yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he actually holds the uh indoor record uh for all of NCAA so oh you has another record holder there um but We've got stuff coming down the pipeline. We're going to keep moving things around. Um, be patient with us as we kind of walk through these times. We're introducing Alan to the patron, uh, Patreon, introducing him to the podcast, trying to get things figured out, uh, all the all the workload and everything that we'll be doing. Uh, but if you guys please just uh, come by, give us a follow, like and subscribe to this podcast, give us reviews. Those are always fantastic. Um, and if you'd like to, come stop by the Patreon. Um, join us for a month. If you don't like it, you know, it, what was four bucks? I mean, it's a cup of coffee. And if you do like us, keep giving us cups of coffee. <laughs> but, uh, but without anything else, uh, for uh, for Matt and Allen, I'm Peyton Guthrie, and this has been uh, through the keyhole. And someone else needs to say uh, boomer. Matt, give me a boomer. Boomer. There we go. We done it. <laughs>